If you're in here today, God has a dream for your life. Maybe you don't know what that, what that dream is. You can, you, you know what, you're good. You're good. I, I jumped right into the message. And I, I actually, it might be better to have music underneath it the whole time, but it might be awkward if I tell a joke. Now we have nice, nice music. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Clap for her for doing, she's so amazing. But God has put a dream in all of our lives. He has a dream for you. He has a dream for me. If you don't know what that is, that's a great opportunity in 2020 to say, God, would you reveal what that dream is, what that purpose is for my life? But the reality is, is God has placed a dream in all of our hearts, in all of our minds, and in our lives. And the reality is some dreams are huge. Some dreams are, are really big. A dream could be something like, I want to be a professional athlete. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're probably north of, of 50 years old, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, if you want to be a professional, I still want to be a professional baseball player. I'm now 40 years old. I'm starting to think it may not happen. I, I don't know. I'm starting to think that that may be a dream that is not realized. But but if you, maybe you have a dream to be a professional athlete or you want to be a musician or you want to be an, an actor, you want to start your own business or maybe have a nonprofit that's going to really just, just rattle the world for the case of Jesus. And those are great dreams. Those are big, big dreams. But dreams do come in all shapes and sizes. Some dreams are simply getting your life right with God. Some dreams are fixing broken relationships with loved ones or, or maybe overcoming an addiction or, or whatever the case is. It might not be a big dream on a worldwide scale, but it's huge in your own life. Dreams do come in all shapes and sizes, but here's the reality. Everyone wants to be the dream. Everyone wants the dream to become a reality, but are you willing to become your dream? Because it's the becoming phase that most people never get through because the becoming phase is littered with disappointment. It's littered with obstacles. It's littered with heartbreak. And most people give up on their dreams in life because of the becoming phase. Everyone has a becoming phase. Israel had a becoming phase when, when they were led out of Egypt by, by Moses for 40 years. They wandered in the desert wondering, are we ever going to obtain the land that God promised us? That was their becoming phase. Forty years of that. Noah with the, with the boat, he had uh, this amazing vision from God to build a boat in the middle of a desert because his flood was coming. And then the floodwaters came, but for 40 days he was on that boat. And Noah's a normal person just like you and me. So I know I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but I don't think it's, it's a hard stretch to think that maybe at least once during one of those 40 days, one of those 40 nights, maybe Noah sat there wondering if the waters would ever recede. I know God told him to do this, but man, when you're in the middle of that flood for 40 days, you think, is this it? Is this, is this how it's always going to be? That was his becoming phase. Even the disciples had a becoming phase when they see Jesus die on the cross. And Jesus explained to them what was going to happen, that he was going to come back uh, from the dead, that he was going to rise again. But, but they didn't really fully get that. So when they watch Jesus die on the cross, they start to think, we gave up everything in our lives for this guy. Did we just follow a crazy person? Is that it? They didn't realize that Jesus was actually coming back as he said he would. And three days doesn't seem like a long time. But when people are trying to hunt you down and kill you, three days can seem like an eternity. That was their becoming phase. 
The reality is this. If you can fight through the becoming phase, then you'll actually be able to obtain the dream that God has put in your heart for a purpose. He's not put it there to disappoint you. He's not put it there to tease you. He's put it there because he fully intends for you to have it. Jeremiah 29, 11 is our verse that we're going to focus on here today. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Let us bow our heads and pray as we invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do today. Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together here this morning. Father, I realize that apart from you, I can do nothing. I realize, Lord, that every idle word that I speak is a waste of everyone's time in here. But Lord, if you'll speak through me, if you'll anoint this message and hearts can change, lives can change, Lord God, and truths can be revealed to us. So Lord, I pray that you do what only you can do. Let your Holy Spirit fill every inch of our sanctuary. Let your Holy Spirit fill every inch of me, Lord God, that people are hearing and seeing you up here and not myself. Father, I pray specifically for those that that are absent of all hope today, that maybe are down on their luck, they're going through tough times in life, they're, they're going to receive a special touch from you as they leave here today. Father, we love you. We love you because you're always with us for the good and the bad. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Lucille Ball, Jim Carrey, Michael Jordan, Bill Gates, Abraham Lincoln, all those names, when I say them, should bring an instant picture of success into your mind because they're some of the most successful people uh, in their given industry. But did you know that all of them suffered huge, huge trials and huge, huge failures in life? Lucille Ball is considered one of the greatest comedic actresses of all time. Her TV show, I Love Lucy, is still shown today. It's it's one of the, the, the greatest sitcoms that's ever been made. But did you know that Lucille Ball was once told she'll never make it uh, in the entertainment industry because she's just not funny enough? She was told that. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was making $20 million per movie. And I'm not saying that that is a benchmark of success, just, just money, but that's how valuable he was to the entertainment industry. He's making $20 million a movie. But did you know that Jim Carrey dropped out of high school? And for one point, at one point in his life, he was living homeless in his car. That was his becoming phase. Bill Gates, he, he graduated from, from high school, but he dropped out of college. That's, that's Bill Gates right there. That's why you need to be nice to the nerds when you're in, in high school, because you don't know. Like, you know, ladies, you know not one of you is going out with that guy. But now when you know it's Bill Gates, you're like, man. Had I known, had I only known, Bill Gates, he drops out of college, though. He dropped out of college to do something that today seems uh, to make a little bit of sense. He, he dropped out of college to work on computers out of his garage. And it makes sense today, but the reality was when he dropped out of college, computers were the size of houses. So it was such an impractical thought. I mean, imagine when he's talking to his parents and say, I'm going to drop out of college to work on computers. It would be equivalent to someone saying, I'm going to drop out of college, mom and dad, today, to work on rocket ships in the garage, a rocket ship that everyone can use to go into space. You're going to think, like, that's a crazy idea. But he was right. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, by many uh, people, considered the greatest basketball player of all time. But... 
Amen. When I, when, I first came, when I first came here, we had a, a, a dinner with some of the leadership staff. And, uh, man, I think in the first 10 minutes, I got into an argument over Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And I'm like, man, come on. Someone's trying to argue that LeBron James was better than Michael Jordan. I said, well, you're obviously too young. You never saw Michael Jordan play because you would never have that crazy thought. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time, clearly. Here's the reality, though, Michael Jordan. He gets cut from his high school team. He gets cut from his high school team, not his freshman year, his sophomore year. Now, here's the reality if you want to play uh, professional sports. If you're going to be a professional athlete, definitely if you're going to be one of the best of all time, you're going to probably make varsity your freshman year. You're definitely going to make varsity your sophomore year. He gets cut from that team, and he's devastated. This is his whole life. He goes home. He's in his room crying because he didn't make the team. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine for a moment you're Michael Jordan's parents. And some guy comes to your house that very night and sits you down in the living room and says, hey, you know your son, the one in his room right now crying, the one that didn't make that that basketball team? One day he's going to be considered the greatest basketball player of all time. One day he's going to be responsible for pumping billions and billions of dollars into the world's economy for the basketball that he just got cut from. What if someone told you that that very night? You would think, are you crazy? Do you know what just happened? He didn't even make the team. But that person would have been right. Who's Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln, many people would consider one of, if not the greatest presidents of all time. That's what we remember him for. But did you know that for 31 years, he failed at everything he attempted? Everything he attempted for 31 years, we don't remember that. He started a business, it failed. He ran for public office, he didn't get elected. He ran for uh, for public office again, he didn't get elected. He started another business and went bankrupt. Started another business and went bankrupt. Ran for public office again, didn't get elected. Everything he tried, he completely failed at. Finally, he meets the girl of his dreams. She's so beautiful. And he asks her to marry him. And what do you think she says? You would think with his luck, she'd say no, right? She says yes. And he's like, finally, things are looking up for honest Abe. Finally, something positive. Now, it's not funny, but it's almost comical because of how much bad luck this guy's having. Before they get married, she dies. It's like, are you kidding me? He tries another business, he fails. Runs for public office again, doesn't get elected. Tries another business, he fails. 31 years, everything he attempts, he fails at. Now, we went through 31 years of his life in one minute, but could you imagine living that life? 365 days a year, every single year, knowing that everything you've done, you've completely failed at. Imagine what you would have thought of yourself. Imagine what your friends and family would have thought of you. You'd be like, I'm the biggest loser in the world. I'm telling you right now, I don't care how rough your life might be, your life is not as bad as Abraham's Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's life in that 31 years. But then he starts to give some political speeches. He has no ambition to do anything other than just give a speech. But then people start to like the speeches that he gives, and they said, we actually like what he has to say, and momentum starts to build. And then he gets this crazy, insane idea how someone could come up with this idea having 31 years of everything they try failing. But he gets this crazy idea to run for president. And he wins. And that's all we remember him for today. 
That's all we remember him is for that success. We don't remember the 31 years. But here's what I'll point out. What if one of his businesses would have been successful? What if it would have been wildly successful? He probably would have died. Abraham Lincoln, a successful businessman, and not one of you would have ever known he existed. For God said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It might look bad. It might look like you're failing. It might look like you're losing. The people in your life might call you a loser and say, you fail at everything you do. But I'm here to tell you that God works for the good of all those who love him. For the Bible says that for those God foreknew, he also predestined. For those he predestined, he also called. For those he called, he also justified. And for those he justified, he also glorified. So what more can we say? If God is for you, then who could be against you? If God's on your side, then how can you fail? And here's the reality today. God is for you. He's on your side today. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that goes far beyond what you could ever imagine or think. So in the middle of our failure, we can rejoice. We can rejoice even in the struggle, even when things don't make sense. Because we know that failure produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character, it produces hope. And hope is a powerful, powerful thing. Hope is what allows you to get out of bed every single morning, even when things are at their worst of worst, and say, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. Things still are bad. Things look bad. But if I know I keep walking on God's path somehow, some way, he's going to turn my situation around because he's for me. He's not against me. He works for the good of those who love him. Now, why in the world has God put this dream and desire in your heart to do something if you don't see it happen? Well, I want to encourage you today that a delay is not a denial. A delay in your dream is not a denial of your dream. It's a delay. And there's a few reasons why there could be a delay. And I just want to point those out as we close down service here. There's a few reasons why there could be a delay in your dream. The first reason that there could be a, a, a delay in your dream is that maybe God wants to refine you. Maybe he's refining you. Just as a blacksmith will, will put iron into a fire and, and nail that iron into shape, maybe that's what God is trying to do with you. He's trying to mold you. He's trying to shape you so that when that dream comes to pass, you're going to have the character to uphold to it. See, here's the reality of God. God will never put you on a platform that your character can't uphold to. He'll never do it. And here's why. Because God's a good God who only knows how to give good gifts. So if he puts you on a platform that he knows you don't have the character to uphold to, you're going to fail, and that would not be a good gift. So he's never going to put you into a place. Now, you can claw and fight and, and steal and cheat your way into that place yourself, potentially, but you won't ever stay there. But God won't put you on a platform that your character can't uphold to. So maybe he's trying to mold you in a place so that when that dream does come to pass, that amazing dream that would blow your mind if you knew it was going to happen, your character is going to be strong enough to hold up to it. Maybe God's just trying to refine you. Maybe that's why there's a delay. Or maybe God just wants you to rely more on him. Maybe God's saying, I just want you to know that I am the one that can bring this dream to pass. God puts you in, in positions and, and thoughts in your mind and dreams in your mind that it's impossible for you to do. And he never intends for you to do that. He intends to do it through you. 
God's not giving you a dream that he knows you can accomplish. He's giving you a dream he knows you can't accomplish because he wants to show you his power. He wants to show you his glory. He wants to show you what's possible when you rely on him. Maybe he just wants you to start to get to a point in your life where you say, I'm going to rely on you, God. When I was young, my dad gave me a a Bible verse that at the time didn't make any sense to me. In fact, uh, I thought it was about complaining. I thought my dad was trying to say I was just a complainer. It was Psalm 127.1. And it says, if the Lord does not build the house, then in vain did the builders build. And I thought it was about complaining. I thought he was like, oh, oh, my dad's trying to say that if, if God doesn't build our house, then we just complain to God. And, and that's not what, what this verse says. If the Lord does not build the house and in vain do the builders build, what it meant is if God is not the center of your dream, then what you do is in vain. See, God says you need to build upon that rock, that foundation upon that rock, so when the winds come, the storms kick up, that it's not going to fall. But if God's not the center, we're building it on sand. God says, I want to be the center of your dream. I want to be the center of it, because if I'm the center of it, then you can never fail. Maybe God just wants you to rely more on him. Maybe that's his purpose for your delay. Or maybe, and finally, Maybe God just wants you to dream bigger. Maybe he just says, oh, no, 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 what your dream is is great, but I got something so much bigger. Yeah, Abe, Abraham Lincoln, you want to start a business, and that's a great dream, but I got something much bigger for you if you'll just actually rely on me, if you'll just trust me in these circumstances. I got something so much bigger than that little business that you're thinking of starting. Maybe he just has you in a place of, Delay because he wants you to dream bigger. The, the prophet Oprah Winfrey once, once had a quote. I'm glad you laughed at that because if you didn't, you'd be like, this guy's a nut. Oprah's not a prophet, no. But she once had a quote that said, what God has in store for you goes far beyond what you could ever imagine or think. It's very similar to what the Bible says, that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. It's the same concept. But she said, what God has in store for you goes so beyond what you could ever imagine or think. Maybe God's just trying to get you to a point that you start to dream bigger. Start to dream bigger. Here's, here's, here's a guy none of you have ever heard of. His name's Harry Huntsley. Harry in the 1950s uh, was an inventor. He went into his garage. That's a picture of him. That doesn't help because you don't know who he is. Um, but that's a picture of Harry. He went in his garage and he started just inventing stuff. And he invents a knife that will cut meat into a spiral pattern in his garage. And he thinks it's a great invention. So he, he sends letters uh, about his invention to all the meat companies in the United States. Every single one of them responds back and says it's such a dumb invention. We're not interested at all. We can't even believe that you would think someone would want this. This is crazy. And he's dejected and starts to get depressed, and he's like, I think it's such a, a good idea. I can't believe no one's interested in this. So he says, well, you know what? I think it's a good idea, so I'm just going to cut my meat. I'm just going to cut my meat like that. But then his friends are like, hey, can you cut our meat like that as well? We, we like that. And then they tell their friends, and their friends tell their friends. Before you know it, so many people are showing up to Harry's house, to his garage, so that he'll cut their meat in that spiral pattern that his wife's like, if you don't get out of the garage and go into a store, I'm going to kick you out of this house because there's day and night people are coming. So because of that, he opens up a little storefront just so he can keep his marriage together. He doesn't get booted out of the house. So many people start to show up to that storefront because they want their meat cut like that. And all of a sudden, Harry starts a company that 
all of us know called the Honey Baked Ham Company. Now here's the reality. What was his goal? His goal was simply to sell an invention, sell something, maybe make a few thousand dollars. This is the 1950s, so maybe a few thousand dollars. But God's goal was that he would start the Honey Baked Ham Company. I'm telling you, what God has in store for you goes far beyond what you could ever imagine or think. He says, I can do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. Maybe he wants you to start dreaming bigger today. Maybe he says, I want you to start, start to dream dreams that only I could do. That you would absolutely fail if I don't intercede. That's what God wants from you today. That's what he wants in 2020 for you to start dreaming big again. It's time to get your dream back. I hate when people do this, but I'm going to tell you to do this. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's time to get your dream back. Man, I'm so glad I'm not sitting out there today because I hate when people do that. It's time to get your dream back. Time to get your dream back. I'm going to finish with this final, final story here. So there's a girl named Mariah Peters, and Mariah, uh, that's a picture of her, of her there. Mariah grew up in, in Chino, in the Chino Hills, so not, not too far from here, kind of close uh, to where we're at. She grew up in the Chino Hills, and her dream was to be a professional musician. She wanted to be a singer. That was what her dream was. And at age 16, she found out that American Idol was holding auditions uh, here in Southern California. At age 16, she's like, this is perfect. My dream is going to become a reality. I'm going to go audition for the show. I'm going to make the show. And everything's just going to be laid out perfectly for me. Now, here's the thing about Mariah. Mariah's a hardcore Christian. Like, she grew up in church. In fact, she made this vow that she wasn't even going to kiss a boy until she's married. She made this vow of purity. So she's like hardcore. She's living the life. I mean, she's not just talking it. She's doing it. Now, I don't want to ruin American Idol for you, but I know a little bit about the entertainment industry, so let me ruin it for you. Reality television is not uh, real, okay? What you see on TV is not actually the show. So back in these days, this is when Paula, Abdul, Randy Jackson, Simon Cowell are, are, are the judges. This is back in, in, in that time. When we watch American Idol and we see someone go in and, and audition in front of the judges, it's as if that's their first time auditioning. Okay, so someone goes in there and they're terrible. It's like, man, how did that person think about actually auditioning? They're so bad. Or someone's good. You're like, oh, man, that person's great. That is totally fake. They've auditioned many, many times before they ever get in front of the judges. That's why if, if they didn't, they would have 30,000 people having to go through as Paula, Randy, and Simon would sit there and judge them. I know it's different judges now, but they would have too many people. So they go through several rounds of auditions before they ever even go in front of those judges. And when they're going through these auditions, they're interviewing all these people. So they know everything about your life. They know your whole life story before you ever appear in front of the celebrity judges. So they already know everything about Mariah. You say, well, how do these bad people get through? Because that's entertainment. They're trying to put bad people through because it, it, it's entertainment value. But they knew everything about Mariah before she ever goes in front of them. They know everything about every contestant before they ever show up because they've already gone through several rounds of interviews. That's how all of those shows work. So she goes out there on national TV, 16-year-old girl in high school. You know how, how that can be. And she sings. She auditions. And they stop her after a while, and they say, yeah, you're okay. Your voice is all right. Yeah. 
They said, but, but we got a question for you. What is this thing about not kissing a boy until you're married? And she's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I just took a vow of purity and all that. And I don't know which one of the judges said it. I don't, I don't recall which one. But the judge looked at her and said, that's weird. That's weird. And they said, here's the reality, Mariah. You, you, can't, you can't have that life and actually be able to sing with your heart. Here's what you need to do. You need to go out and kiss a lot of boys. If you want to make it in this industry, you got to go out there and kiss a lot of boys. you got to make a lot of mistakes. you got to go out there and do that. you got to get your heart broken, Mariah, because then when you sing, then your heart is going to know what the, what the words are that you're singing. And now here's this girl. She doesn't make the show. But worse off than that, she's embarrassed on national TV because they're insulting her as a person. Like, it's one thing if you say she's not a good enough singer, but they're insulting who she is, her character, who she is. 16-year-old girl in high school. And she's devastated. And she comes to a fork in the road, a fork in the road that you and I always will come to as well. Where we have our dream in front of us and it's so close we feel like we can touch it. And now we come to that fork in the road. The same fork that they're telling Mariah that she has to face. We either can go our way or we can go God's way. And here's the reality. More often than not, our way seems like that's the road to success. They're telling Mariah, hey, if you do this, you're going to be successful. But if you go God's way, if you keep going your path, well, it's just not going to happen. And all of us face that. Will you stick with God or will you do it your own way? We can always fight and claw our way to get something that we want, but we won't stay there. So Mariah is faced with that fork in the road. What do I do? She's so down. She's like, man, my dream, everything I've wanted to do in life, it's just crumbling apart. But can I tell you, sometimes in your worst moments, sometimes when it seems like everything has just been slammed, every door has been slammed in your face, it's God. It's God doing something in your life. It reminds me of the time that the disciples are on a boat and they're in the middle of a storm and they feel like that, that boat's going to sink and they see Jesus walking on the water towards them. And they don't know it's Jesus at first. In fact, they think it's a ghost and they're scared. And then Jesus tells them something I want you to hear. He says, don't be afraid, it's me. Don't be afraid, it's me. Why am I saying that example? Because I think in the middle of our storm, in the middle of our, our rejection, in the middle of things that don't make sense, I want you to hear God's voice saying, don't be afraid, it's me. I know it doesn't seem good, I know it doesn't seem right, but don't be afraid, it's me, I'm doing something here. Don't be afraid, Mariah, it's me. You can stick with me and things will work out, even though it seems like it won't. Because I work for the good of all those who love me. I got a plan and a purpose for your life, just stick with me. Mariah has that fork in the road moment. Now what she doesn't know, what nobody knew, is that very night a, a woman was watching that show who had connections with uh, the Christian music industry. And she was touched by Mariah's story. So she calls Mariah up and she's like, hey, I, I love your voice and I just love who you are as a person. She says, do you have a demo tape? Do you have a demo tape, Mariah? Now here's, here's Mariah's story. Not only does she not have a demo tape, she doesn't have a band, she doesn't have anything. Now let me teach you really quick a little bit about the Christian music industry because I know a little bit about this. This was the area I was going to go into. I was going to be in Nashville. I was going to work for a record label, ideally have my own record label. So here's how the Christian music industry works. It does not sell uh, as many albums as secular music. 
okay, Christian music doesn't sell as much as, as secular music. So in order for a record label to actually sign an artist, they want to know that you already have a following. Because if they're going to dump hundreds of thousands of dollars into you, they want to know that they can at least have a pretty good uh, chance of recouping their investment. So here's, so like Mercy Me, for example. Mercy Me is a great band. They sold 50,000 albums before a record label would ever sign them because now the record label says you're worth taking the risk. Mariah doesn't have a following. She doesn't have a band. She doesn't even have a demo tape. I'm telling you right now, there is no back door. That is a nail in the coffin. There's so many talented people in Nashville that are trying to break into this uh, industry just as talented as Mariah that not having those things is a done deal. It is not going to happen. But this lady doesn't give up. She says, you know what? Let's go and record a demo. And they go to do that. When it's done, she sends it off to every Christian record label in Nashville. And every single record label responds back with an offer to sign her. I'm telling you, she came to a fork in the road and she said, I can either go their way, I can go my way, or I can just trust God and I can stick with him and know that he has a plan and a purpose for my life, a plan to bless me, not to harm me. Today, Mariah is a, a great Christian singer. She's married to the lead singer for uh, King and Country, Joel, and She's having a great, great life. But in that moment, it seemed like everything was falling apart. But in that moment, it was actually being rebuilt. It was being built God's way. I'm telling you, when you come to the fork in the road, always choose God's way. Even when it seems like that's not the way to go. Always choose God's way. So what's the point of, of, of all these stories here today? I'm closing down. This is the official close. I think I've closed down three times today. <laughs> Ladies, if your shoes are off, you can put them on now. This is the official close. Here's the point of all of this. In all of these people's lives, if you would have stopped their life at one point or another, they would have been considered huge failures. Like if Michael Jordan's life ends the day he gets cut from that high school team, he's a failure. If anywhere between those 31 years of Abraham Lincoln's life, before he becomes president, his life was to end, he's a huge failure. All these people have these moments in life that if their life stopped right then, they're huge failures. But the reality is this, their life wasn't over. The final chapter wasn't written, and it's not for you either. If you're in here today, you're alive, 99% of you, amen, right? Amen? You got a heartbeat, you got, you got air in your lungs, so the final chapter has not been written. It doesn't matter how a story starts or what it is in the middle, it's how it ends. There's still time because you're still alive. You're still here. You don't know what point you are on that, on that scale. You don't know what point you are in the book. But I'm telling you if, you, if you stick with God, if you just remain in him and he remains in you, that dream's going to come to pass. What it's going to take is it's going to take ignoring what you see in the natural and what, what you just believe God is doing. Ignore what you see. Another word for this is faith. So here's a moment in the Bible when Jesus is walking with the disciples and he comes to a fig tree and he, he goes to pick fruit on this fig tree. But he goes down to pick this fruit and there's no fruit. And he looks at the fig tree and he says, shrivel up and die. And the fig tree shrivels up and dies. And all the disciples seeing this, they're, they're shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, you, did you see what happened? And Jesus knows what they're talking about. And he tells them, he goes, oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. And then he points out a mountain. And he goes, you see this mountain? He goes, if you think that's a big deal, hear what I'm going to say now. If you see this mountain, if you tell that mountain to get up 
and throw itself into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you truly believe that what you say is going to happen, it'll be done. Now, why did he use a crazy example like that? For years, I, I thought about this, and I wonder, why would he say, if anyone says to that mountain, like, why? That's a crazy, crazy thing to say. But here's why I believe he said it. What's more impossible than that? What's more impossible than telling a mountain to get up and throw itself into the sea? But he says, even that is possible if you don't doubt in your heart and you truly believe it can happen, it'll be done. Nothing's more impossible than that. Everything bows down to the mountain. Your drug addiction bows down to the mountain. Alcoholism bows down to the mountain. Broken relationships with friends and family bows down to the mountain. That dream and desire in your heart that seems like it's never going to come to pass bows down to the mountain. Everything bows down to the mountain. So the question I have for you today is, what mountains do we have to move in your life this morning? Let us bow our heads and close our eyes as we close down service.